Have you ever had a dream to do something great for God? Have you ever had a dream that you could accomplish mighty things for God? And then obstacles came your way. Difficulties had arisen in your life. Opposition mounted. Circumstances were just not favorable. And then you gave up the dream. I mean, if you had ever had a vision for God, or I should say God's vision for your life, and then for a moment or two, an hour or two, a day or two, a month or two, a year or two, you were on top of the world with that vision. You were on top of the world with enthusiasm, for wanting to accomplish the vision that God has given you. And then somebody discouraged you. Somebody told you that it is impossible. Somebody came and poured cold water over the fire of your vision. Well, I want you to listen carefully today because this message can be used of God to renew God's vision for your life. This message can be used of God to rekindle your passion for Jesus Christ. This message can be used of God to renew your God-given dream. This message can be used of God to encourage you today, encourage you to overcome human tendency, will encourage you to overcome natural inadequacies. It will encourage you to overcome the surrounding circumstances. I want you to hear me right because I don't want you to misunderstand what I mean by God's dream and God's vision. I know there are people who can daydream. That's not what I'm talking about. I know there are people who have all kinds of dreams and vision of grandeur. That's not what I'm talking about. I know there are many people who have a great deal of self-ambitions. That's not what I'm talking about. I am talking about a God-given dream, a God-given vision for your life. I am talking about doing something that is impossible without God, doing something so great for God that if you tell others, they'll think you're crazy. I am talking about doing something that is impossible to accomplish without God's supernatural hand of intervention in your life. That's what I'm talking about. Many years ago, I knew of a man who was extremely poor at the time, but he believed with all his heart that God was calling him to make millions of dollars and give it all away. And when he died, every dollar of the millions of dollars that he made, he gave to the kingdom of God. That's the kind of dream I'm talking about, a vision that God has given you, no matter what it is, because we often think it's preaching. We often think it's teaching. And most times have nothing to do with those two things. Of course, there are those who have no dreams at all whether it's for God or for themselves. 
I mean, of course, there are those who are so pessimistic that they never accomplish anything for God or for others. I just read the other day something that says that a pessimist is someone whose daydreams are nightmares. (laughs) And of course, there are those whose dreams are wishful thinking, like that woman who woke up on the morning of her birthday, and she said to her husband, she said, I had a dream last night that for my birthday, I have a beautiful pearl necklace for my birthday. What do you think it means? (laughs) And her husband said, you're going to find out tonight. And sure enough, that night, he gave her a book entitled Interpretation of Dreams. There were two middle-aged men who were talking to each other, and one said to the other, he said, uh, had any of your childhood dreams come true? He thought for a minute, and he said, yes. When I was a young boy, and my mother used to comb my hair, I used to wish that I didn't have any. <laughs> Be careful of what you wish for. <laughs> when the Apostle Paul encountered the resurrected Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, In Acts chapter 9, the Lord Jesus confronted him as he is not persecuting the church of Jesus Christ, but he was persecuting Christ himself. And then he said to him, he said, I want you to get up and I want you to go to the city of Damascus, and there you're going to meet a man by the name of Ananias. Meanwhile, the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ spoke to Ananias, a godly believer in the Lord Jesus Christ who lived in Damascus. And he said to him, he said, Ananias, I want you to go and see Paul. Saul of Tarsus was known then. And his knees began to knock. His heartbeat was racing. He said, Lord, do you know what you're talking about? This man is known to imprison Christians. This man is known to arrest Christians. This man is known for killing Christians. Lord, do you know what you're talking about? And here's what the Lord Jesus Christ said to Ananias in Acts chapter 9, verse 15. The Lord Jesus said to Ananias, He said, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles. And listen carefully to this one. And to kings. Some translation says kings and rulers. And to the sons of Israel. And here it is, in one verse, the Lord Jesus Christ spelled out his vision for the Apostle Paul and for his life. That was God's vision for the Apostle Paul. What was it? That he would testify to the name of Jesus before kings and before rulers and before people in power and to the Gentiles and to the sons of Israel. Listen carefully, please, what I'm going to tell you. Before Paul was born, God had a vision for his life. Before the foundation of the earth and the earth was created, God had a vision for Paul's life. It is true to say that if you are a child of God, Not just child of God by creation. I'm talking about a child of God by rebirth, by regeneration. If you are born again, if Jesus is the Savior and the Lord of your life, then I want to tell you that 
God had a vision and has a vision for your life. Not just a vision to redeem you. Not just a vision to save you. Not just a vision to adopt you. Not just a vision to choose you and elect you. Not just a vision to sanctify you, but a vision to use you. If you are running around saying, God cannot use me. I can't do anything for God. I am not gifted. There is nothing that I can accomplish for God. You are making a mockery of God's plan for your life. You are making a mockery of God's election and call upon your life. You are making a mockery of God's sovereign plan for your life. You are making a mockery of God's vision for you and God's dream for you and for your life. Listen carefully. Any halfway decent parent has a vision for his or her child. Listen. We work hard, we save hard, and we put all of our life savings in good schools and good colleges. Why? Because we have a vision for our children. But then, listen to me carefully then. If the best of our vision for our children, the best of our vision for our children cannot be compared with God's vision for each one of His children, At best, our vision for our children pales in approximation to God's vision for His children. Our vision at best for our children is flawed in comparison to God's vision for each one of His children. God's vision for Paul spelled out here in Acts chapter 9 verse 15 that he would testify before rulers before kings, for the name of Jesus. And then, in Acts chapter 26, that vision becomes fulfilled. This vision takes place. But listen to this one. You see, between Acts chapter 9 and Acts chapter 26... There has been a whole lot of difficulties and obstacles and barriers. Between Acts chapter 9 and Acts chapter 26, there has been a lot of suffering and pain for the Apostle Paul. Between Acts chapter 9 and Acts chapter 26, there has been a whole lot of endurance on the part of the Apostle Paul. Endurance of starvation, endurance of stoning, endurance of lashing, endurance of misunderstandings, endurance of impoverishment, endurance of insult, endurance of imprisonment, endurance of mockery, endurance of all kinds of hardships and suffering. But the dream kept on burning. And the vision kept on moving forward. Because it's God's vision. Not something Paul concocted, said, I'd like to do this. From the time of Acts chapter 9, Paul had experienced so much joy in seeing people saved or so much difficulty and problems as well. In Acts chapter 9, particularly verse 15, God told Ananias about his vision for Paul. 
I have no doubt in my mind that Ananias told Paul at some point. And in Acts chapter 26, Paul gets the opportunity to witness to the name of Jesus before the king of Israel, King Agrippa. Kayatha in her book, Lord, I Want to Know You, said the following. She said, Our world for the most part lives for today. To most, the future seems uncertain, so hopeless that they have lost their vision, and therefore live only for their immediate happiness. Without vision, people perish. Then she goes on to explain what happened during the Korean War. She said that the majority of our men who were taken captive never tried to escape. She said that was unprecedented, especially if you compare it to World War II. They were resigned to prison because they saw no future. They had lost their vision. Their hope was gone. They gave in and were absorbed by their captivity. How terrible. And then Kay goes on to conclude that this is what has happened to so many Christians. They have lost sight of the blessed hope. They've lost sight of their God-given vision. I pray, God, that today would be a day for the renewal of your God-given vision. I really have very briefly three things that I want to share with you. These are three things that Paul was able to overcome because of his God-given vision. Young and old, listen carefully, because I submit to you this day that when you know and obey God's vision for your life, you will be an overcomer like Paul. I am absolutely convinced that most of the prolonged, defeated Christian life, it comes from either not knowing or not obeying or forgetting God's vision for your life. I'm convinced of that. I am absolutely convinced that most of the inability of Christians to be overcomers results from not knowing or not obeying or forgetting that God has a vision for every one of you, regardless of your age and regardless of who you are. You see, here's the problem. No doubt Ananias told Paul, but do you know how many years, not just between the time of Acts chapter 9 to Acts 26, but even the time when Paul knew that God has given him that vision to the time he began to preach, well over seven years. Some people actually think it's ten years. Can you imagine the length of time and the endurance that he was able to to endure simply because he knew that this was God's vision for him, and God never lies. And if you do not know God's vision for your life, I submit to you that you better start today asking God, what is your vision for my life? He will show it to you. I remember from the time I knew what God's vision for my life was to the time when I began to even experience the very beginning of it. Eleven years. Eleven years. 
And nobody can blame me for not knowing. I knew. But God in His sovereign plan let me wait that long. I want you to look with me at those three obstacles, those three things that God's vision in Paul's life has empowered him to overcome, and they will empower you to overcome also. Number one, he overcame human tendencies. Secondly, he overcame natural inadequacies. Thirdly, he overcame surrounding obstacles. Let's look at the first one. Because of God's vision for Paul's life, he was able to overcome human tendencies. What are these human tendencies? Well, I can tell you in Paul's case, after two years in that stinking Caesarean prison, it is a natural temptation for him to wonder about all of God's vision. Is this, what's this all about? It would have been easy for Paul to question even God's vision. It would have been easy for Paul to say, I might as well cooperate with the authorities. I can get out of here and go over and get me some decent retirement. It would have been easy for Paul to say, I have done my part. I have preached the gospel around the world. I have had three grueling missionary journeys. I paid my dues. I have been faithful so far. I have served my time. Let me give an opportunity for somebody else. I want to get out of here. These are all human tendencies. They're all human tendencies. Our human tendencies often say, somebody else will do it. Our human tendencies often say, somebody else will be more effective. Somebody else is better off. Somebody else has the right qualifications. Somebody else. I'm tired of standing out and standing up and being counted. But had Paul given up at this point, he would have lost out on the fulfillment of God's vision for his life that was there before the foundation of the earth. A vision to testify to kings and rulers. Hear me right, please. Listen carefully to what I'm going to tell you. Every one of us know what these human tendencies are. (laughs) I don't have to explain them to you. I don't have to remind you of them. You're being reminded of them enough. The problem is most of us allow these human tendencies to keep us from fulfilling God's vision in our lives. There were 12 men. They went to spy the promised land. They come back. Ten of them said, it's impossible. There are giants in the land. We can't do it. What was God's vision? God's vision says, I've signed the deeds over of that land to you. (laughs) It's mine and I'm giving it to you. That was God's vision. And when they came back, They did not only miss out on God's vision for them, but they caused a whole nation to wander around in the desert for 40 years because they refused to believe and obey God's vision for them. Be careful. Be careful of allowing your human tendency to deter you from fulfilling God's vision in your life. You know what yours are. Let me assure you, I know what mine are. 
Not only that God's vision will empower you to overcome human tendencies, but they're also secondly going to help you overcome natural inadequacies. Paul tells us that he had an eye problem that affected his sight. Couldn't see very well. He probably was squinting when he was talking to Agrippa. Paul tells us that he was not a very impressive man. That he does not really command attention when he walks into a room. Paul said of himself that he was not very eloquent. He couldn't speak all that well. One, just one of these inadequacies would have been enough to discourage him. One of these inadequacies would have been enough to deter him. One of these inadequacies would have been enough to get him to call a quits. What are your inadequacies? I sure know mine. And had I allowed my inadequacies to get in the way, most likely I wouldn't be standing before you today. Because mine is a long list. We all have inadequacies. So stop saying mine are bigger than somebody else's. We all have them. Our inadequacies are always there for us. They cannot escape our attention. They cannot escape our presence. They are forever there. But that's not the issue. The issue is, will they hinder you? Will they cripple you? Will they render you ineffective for God? Paul was able to overcome his natural inadequacies because he knew that he was serving a powerful God. The problem is not because you have some inadequacies. The problem is, who are you serving? Paul knew that his natural inadequacies plus God's adequacy are a mighty force. Paul knew that it is not by power nor by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Paul knew that his natural inadequacies are only God's opportunities. Paul knew that his natural inadequacies are merely God's instruments to manifest his glory. So he would not allow his inadequacies to put a stop, to halt God's vision in his life. What are your inadequacies? He overcame his human tendencies. He overcame his natural inadequacies. Thirdly, God's vision for Paul empowered him to overcome the surrounding obstacles. I had to think again and again of this whole situation. Paul in the court of the king. I mean, just think about it. It would have been very easy for him to be so overwhelmed with the incredible pomp and circumstance that was there. I mean, it would have been very easy for him to be overawed and awestruck by the show of pomp and power that surrounded the circumstances. It would have been easy for Paul to be intimidated by the governor Festus and and King Agrippa and by the generals and by the queen and by all the regalia that surrounded him in the palace. It would have been easy for Paul to be tempted to ingratiate himself with the authorities. It would have been a lot easy for him. But he didn't. And I thank God he didn't. 
because he gave me and you a role model. The reason he did not get overwhelmed and overawed comes from right in here. Confident of God's vision. And therefore, he was not going to get overwhelmed with the surrounding obstacles. Why? Because he wanted the king's salvation, not the king's favor. Because Paul wanted to glorify Jesus and not himself. Because Paul wanted to seek and save the lost, not to save his skin or even his reputation. Because Paul wanted not only to tell the story of his own conversion, but he wanted the conversion of everyone who was listening to him. Festus may call him mad, Agrippa, scoff at his attempt, but it was Jesus that Paul wanted to please. You know, as I come to a close, I want to make you a deal. Obviously, I love you enough to want to see God's vision fulfilled in each one of you. I'll make you a deal. Every time and at any moment you get defeated, every time and every moment you get overwhelmed with human tendencies, every time and any moment you get overwhelmed with natural inadequacies, every time and every moment you get overwhelmed with the surrounding obstacles, you're going to find that it is because you have lost sight of God's vision for your life. I promise you that. I promise you that. I am not preaching at you. I'm telling you about my experience. You're going to find that you have lost sight of what God's call on your life is all about. And at these times, what you need to do is get up, pull yourself together, and remind yourself that God has a vision for your life, that God has a dream for you, that God will empower you to fulfill His vision and to realize His dream. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.